So this is your Team Vineyard podcast where we are trying to help uh, everybody love Jesus, grow together, and give back. And I'm Kathy Smirla, and I'm really excited about this podcast today. I'm here with uh, two awesome men who are part of our church, which I love that, but they're all, they also have kind of, they're movers and shakers in our community. Yes, I just called you movers and shakers. It's true. I'm here with uh, Phil Blasco. Hopefully I have your titles correct. Um, Phil, you are the superintendent of Mishawaka Parks and Recreation. That's right. Yes. And Aaron Perry. Aaron, you are the executive director of South Bend Venues, Parks, and Arts. Off to a great start, Kathy. Oh, okay, we're doing all right. All right. Uh, so why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what you do? We'll just start off there. Well, I am the, uh, the park superintendent, so I oversee 28 parks here in the city of Mishawaka. Um, you know, we have a public golf course. We have an outdoor pool. Um, we have six splash pads. We do programming. We have an events. We kind of try to touch on all the different areas uh, and try to create an environment for um, people to uh, be engaged through events, programs, sports, you name it. And, and you know, we want to be that outlet for the community. Uh, very similar to Phil, we get to oversee a lot of the fun stuff in, in the community. Yeah. Um, venues, Parks, and Arts is a department that consists of things like uh, the Morris Performing Arts Center, uh, the Century Center, all of our parks and recreation amenities, special events, uh, the golf courses, the pools, the splash pads, and we're very excited about the brand new Howard Park. Yes, <laughs> which should be. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I've never heard of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Come on over. A couple miles away. <laughs> so is there, uh, is there like, I know you know each other. Yeah. You knew each other before walking in the room. Is there like friendly competition between, because you have similar jobs, very similar. Is there, I don't know, is there friendly competition? Doesn't collaboration. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, we, I, as the park superintendent for Mishawaka, I look to see what they're doing to see, hey, what's working, what isn't working. You know, there's no reason to recreate the wheel. Right. And uh, I absolutely. think we pick each other's brains quite often on what to do and what, didn't work and how to compliment one another absolutely you know, different yeah. things like that. that's the parks world too i mean, think we're doing that across the country I and mean, before you were even here we were visiting your previous job in valparaiso seeing yeah. what you're up to there so oh, really we're always benchmarking one another seeing how that's we great work together well one of the reasons we brought you both here is that uh we want to talk about how the church can impact the city how how specifically our church our team vineyard members can impact the cities that we live in. And uh, one of our goals this year is that we're gonna be intentional about that and do our best. I think we've tried to be intentional about that in the past, but we uh, it's, it's one of the three things in particular that we're gonna be working on in 2020 because we wanna be an influence in our city uh, for lots of different reasons, but uh, it feels like that's what we're supposed to do. That's one of the things that God has called us to. There's a verse that uh, I recently found, and I kind of like, it says, uh, it talks about how people can be good um, for the city that they live in. It's Proverbs 11, 11. It says, upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. And hopefully at the Vineyard Church, we're upright citizens, you know, hopefully we're people that have integrity, who are doing our best to follow Jesus. And we want to... Uh, some things that we have been talking about is we want to, our hope is that there can be less violence in our cities. There can be less poverty in our cities. There can be less kids who don't have someone to connect with. And so those are ways that we want to impact our city and we want to be a, a, a light. And uh, so 
we know what we think are some of the things we that we should do, but we brought you guys in to to share what what because you're in the city and you're doing the stuff all the time, what you think we should be doing. Um, and you both love Jesus and you're following Him, and so we thought it would be a good conversation. You ready for this? We're ready. We're ready. Okay. Locked and loaded. So. Biggest needs in our city and Mishawaka and South Bend. Phil's from Mishawaka, Aaron's from South Bend, and they might be different. What do you think the biggest needs are? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad that the vineyard, it's, it's so neat to be a part of a church community that's taking this seriously. It's, sometimes that's easy, that kind of community engagement type thing, an easy box to kind of check. Um, but I can tell we're really diving into it here. Um, in terms of the greatest needs in the community, one of the things that um, kind of comes to my top of mind always is kind of um, kind of social unity and social cohesion. It seems like um, we get, particularly when we look at technology and all the things that exist in our community and as we're building uh, new facilities and, and the, the excitement that's happening, there, there tends to be this kind of disparity that exists between the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to keep that lens on in a lot of the work that we do. Um, but how are we kind of bringing people together, uh, getting people to know one another, uh, having shared kind of experiences? Because um, we know when we know one another, we take better care of each other. Right. Um, so if that deals with people that might not look like us or people that don't have the same access to resources as us or otherwise, uh, if we know who those people are, we're more apt to take care of them. Uh, that's critical, I think, to me. And so that kind of social cohesion um, is, is kind of the best way I can explain it, um, helping fill that gap that might exist in different areas, whether it be education, uh, whether it be uh, financial resources, whether it be uh, just giving people a safe place to be around positive people. Um, yeah. So uh, kind of bringing the community together. Yeah, that's great. Phil, what do you think? That's a great answer. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty you know, good. And, and I think that we have very similar communities and we have um, – you know, individuals that attend a lot of his events or attend our events. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of have the same type of clientele. So as far as us in the parks, you know, what we try to focus on, you know, we, we know that there's many of families out there that may not have structure, that may not have uh, the resources in order for them to enjoy numerous, you know, let's say trips or whatever. You know, we want to be able to, at the parks department, to create an environment that no matter what's your financial situation or your background, mm-hmm. that we have something for for all ages and all abilities. Um, you know, I take for example our sports programs. Um, you know, we start at the age of three for our sports programs. We don't start at the age of three to teach them to be the next LeBron James. We start <laughs> so we can teach structure. How do you yeah. how do you obey and listen to rules and, and how do you create that environment? Um, you know, and then good sportsmanships and the fundamentals of, of just life, um, you know, they may not be receiving that at home. And, you know, we may only have them for that whole hour, but we try to pack it all in in that hour and show them that, hey, there's people out there that care about you and we want to have fun with you. Um, and then if we can teach them some structure and teach them that, hey, we are here, um, we're an outlet for you um, at all times in any situation, uh, we want to be that. Yeah, that's great. So as the church, you know, uh, how, how can the church best help? You know, we've done a few things. We've done some park cleanup things and some parties in parks at Artbeat in South Bend. Mm-hmm. We brought our free lemonade stand down there last year. And, uh, but from your perspective, how can the city and the church, well, two questions, how, uh, 
can the church help meet those needs that you just talked about? And how can the church and the city work together well, or the church and the parks department? Mm-hmm. Well, um, for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is leave the walls of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, get out there. And I think we're doing a great job so far, but I think we can also do more um, to, to get out there and meet uh, the teens or the families or, or the the, um, the moms and dads where they're at. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think sometimes when you think about church and you see some of the churches that are, are very large, they're, they're intimidating to, to go inside of. And so I think we need to think outside the box as far as how we can get out in the community and uh, bring the energy that the church has and show them like, hey, we're ordinary people. We love God. Um, we also can have fun, and, and we also, through our actions, can show them God's love. Um, and I think that's that's key. And, yeah. you know, we have a captured audience at mo- all of our parks, and so there's, a, there's, a, there's youth, there's adults that are there. I think just finding where they're at and getting involved, like we have with 24 Hours to Love Our City, right. you know, that is, that's huge. And being able to get out there, and then the, uh, the outreach team that's at Hillis Hands, being able to positively impact those kids. Yeah, again, it's only for an hour, but I think it's making change in, in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love what you say about kind of being out there, leaving the four walls of the church, right? Um, you, you know, the word became flesh and uh, the I think it's the message, one of the more modern translations of the, the scripture. And it, it said something like, uh, in the beginning, there was God, and then God moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> Talking oh, I about love Jesus, that. I think I think it's the message, but don't quote me on it. We can look it up later. But actually, coming into the neighborhoods and the areas that need that help and support, and um, you know, this is the string that we're pulling on. I wonder what it looks like to do um, it consistently, be there, uh, and kind of earning that right to be heard and uh, showing people that they're valued beyond. Um, you know, some of the token stuff that we do that's so critical, but how do we go a level deeper um, than, uh, uh, you know, typical service projects? And I wonder what that looks like when we're forming meaningful bonds and relationships with those in the community that need it most. And I I know we've done some of that through here, through the vineyard, and particularly, uh, you know, Pastor Steve's done things with with, uh, the homeless population and otherwise. And so um, those things, how much more impactful they become when we go deeper. I'm excited about what that might look like. Yeah. I love that God moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. Our mission shirts say the church has left the building, nice. which I think is good, but I maybe that's our new thing. Yeah. God's moving into the neighborhood. That's really, I like yeah. that a lot. Uh, so let me ask, and I, I don't want this to sound super negative, but I think it's helpful for us to know uh, what's one thing that's not helpful for the church to do? Hmm. Our church, any church. Yeah, that, that that's tricky because I always say there's there's no such thing as is any is anything too small or too insignificant. So anything that we can do it, 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 to help our community move forward, um, one of the sometimes help though is misguided. I would say, and yeah. and one of the things that I've seen our community it's it's top of mind recently because we've had some um, a couple of really uh, sad incidents in the community where uh, homeless individuals who have slept outside have passed away due to the cold exposure. Um, and you know, sometimes people think it's helpful and I'm not sure that this is the church doing this or not, but goodwill people with goodwill say, I'm going to give these folks blankets or bring them food. And and otherwise in in reality, uh, they need to get indoors. (laughs) They need to be at a safe place indoors where they can get access to the uh, mental or or physical help that they need and the resources that they really need long-term. Um, and, and so 
we, we're trying to get people to kind of feel like, how do we get to those folks, form meaningful relationships to them and bring them indoors? Uh, that's one yeah. of the misguided help things that I think sometimes people need a little education on. I think sometimes we, and I, I think in some of our neighborhood ministry too, we want things to happen so quickly. Mm. Like we want to, there's a place to serve immediate needs. Absolutely. You know, food pantries have a place and, yep. you know, there's a place to serve immediate needs. But sometimes that relationship and some of the stuff you're just talking about, Aaron, it takes time. Yeah. And we're not always very patient and relationships take time. That's, too, that's so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, do you have any thoughts about what we should not do? The thing that comes to mind, I guess the word that comes to mind really for me is assuming. Um, I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people assume, and I'm not saying the church always assumes, or, but I think that when you look at people's situations as far as teens or youth, you assume they are, they are, they vandalize or they have a bad behavior because, or somebody's homeless and you assume they're homeless because of whatever reason. And I think just trying to find a way to get on their level and understand what 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 makes them who they are you know again going back to that relationship um you know if we're assuming that we know that you know we have poverty or if we have homelessness and all that stuff and and then people that are just not in that situation think they know the answer without actually getting on the level of the people that are dealing with that type of stuff um i think that is not beneficial for anybody and so um, and I don't know if, you know, I'm not saying that the church is doing that, but I think that that often just happens in in um, just nature of people just assume that they know the reason why, you know, like, for example, for teens, they get a bad rap because they, everybody says, well, they're nuisance. They cause vandalism. They cause that. Well, let's find a structure. Let's find something for them to do. Let's have, have them get involved, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so for like the parks for us this year, we're trying to focus on like the teens. How do we get them involved? most of the times for the teens, if you allow them to come up with the ideas, then they're sold on it. They have buy-in. They want, then want to do it. And now we change the culture of mm -hmm. that. And, and so... Um, is that yeah. how you get on their level? You figure out what is get, getting their buy-in? Yeah, you I, I think you gotta, get... they have to have a voice. You yeah. know, um, you know, not even just teens, the youth. When we think about um, renovating a park, you know, asking just adults what do they want, what the kids want in the park isn't... You know, we should ask the users. Um, yeah. You know, if we want to know what the teens want, get in a room with teens and ask the teens, hey, yeah. if we, if you guys had one thing you could do, what would it be? And and that's critical. I mean, sometimes that's what we're talking about, that engagement and kind of like earning that right to be heard type, type mentality. We, you, you talked about renovating a park. When we were renovating a park right now, we're doing Pulaski Park. It's on the west side of South Bend. We started having these community meetings. We thought we're going to go to the neighborhood and here and the same type of people were showing up to all these meetings time and time again. And, and we allowed people to, you know, give us feedback online and different things. We still weren't hearing from the people that we knew that used Pulaski Park, which was a Spanish speaking soccer league. And so we had a guy that was working with us that actually went and joined the soccer league so he could learn and hear their input. So how critical we take those things and, and don't just assume what people want. I, I love what you're saying there, yeah. Phil. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we had that same scenario that happened at Mary Gibbard. We had neighborhood meetings and the users weren't showing up. And so we're like, all right, how do we get in front of the users? So we went to LaSalle Elementary and then asked the kids, hey, what do you guys want to see? <laughs> and now they had buy-in, they had investment, and now they created that park by what they wanted to see. And now we have ownership. 
we don't see the vandalism happening over at Mary Gibbard Park. They feel like it's theirs. It's their yeah. park. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not yeah. it's not the park superintendent's park or you know the city's park. It's their park because they had a say. Their their voice yeah. was heard. Yeah. Okay. So, just kind of a. A different kind of question. So the, there's things that the church can do. We can participate in some events, and we can 24 hours to love our city. We try to uh, get involved in the community and helping with parks things. Uh, but most of the time, it's not. You know, the church can do things here and there. But as individuals, as individuals who love Jesus and who are trying to follow Jesus and have an influence, because it's not just the church that's supposed to be impacting our city. Mm -hmm. It's those of us who are living in the city who are supposed to impact our city. You know, it's the whole neighbor thing. How do we just, I would love your perspective, even not even necessarily from your roles as uh, superintendent and executive director, but, but just as people who are trying to follow God in your neighborhood, like how can people at the Vineyard Church, just individuals, impact our city? And I know I'm kind of, this was a new question. I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't write this one down before, but yeah. yeah, what do you think about that? You know, the, what comes to mind for me is um, show it through your energy. Show it through, you know, there's many of interactions that you can have with people in our community by just going to a park. Just go down there and just show them, hey, I'm a stranger, but I'm here to have fun with you, engage with you, have conversation with you. I think there's many a times when you when you look at um, parks or that people get stuck in their own little bubble to where I, that no, that's a stranger. I, I, I probably shouldn't go, mm-hmm. you know, engage with that person. So I think that you know, push the envelope and just try to create relationships uh, with with strangers. Um, yeah. For example. I was at George Wilson Hill uh, a couple nights ago, and I'm I'm uh, sitting in there drinking a hot chocolate, and all of a sudden I hear Dr. Phil, and I'm like Dr. Phil, and it's <laughs> Latrell from Hillis Hands Group has come over. He's like, "Man, you're here! This is so cool!" Oh, that's and great. it's just that relationship that I was able to build from a complete stranger. But now when we see each other, now we have something to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's you know that's just a uh, just to show you that hey. Giving a high five or showing some energy mm-hmm. towards something or somebody can create a relationship that is everlasting. Well, and it's getting out of the house yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I don't remember what day it was. This was sometime at the end of summer. I just decided to go and walk around the park. Uh, Central, I think it was Central Park in Mishawaka, but. Um, I just walked, and then I sat on a bench for a while and just kind of did people watching. Mm-hmm. And if you sit there long enough and if you uh, say hello to people, conversations can start. Mm-hmm. And a couple good conversations started that way with people that I didn't know. But you have to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you have to leave your comfort, comfortable space. And even just yeah. for me, sitting there instead of just walking was helpful in my relationship building. Yeah. So what do you think, Aaron? Well, I'm just curious what kind of Dr. Phil is. That's my nickname over there, <laughs> I guess. Dr. Phil, I love it. Um, I guess there's a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, you're asking how do people do that? And, yeah, and, and maybe, you know, it's always important to remember the why. And so that's kind of where we started too. Like, why are we, why does the church want to make a difference in the community? Why do we as individuals want to go out and engage that way? And, that is you know, um, 
it, that's that that doesn't I didn't make that up. That comes from Simon Sinek, right? <laughs> but the, the why, and, and so we're trying to change lives, right? We're trying to change lives. We're trying to save lives forever. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what are the things? Then you can ask yourself, okay, what are the things that will be meaningful and impactful there? And, and the truth of the matter is that it, it, I think I said it earlier. There's nothing, uh, no such thing as an insignificant action that can help there. Um, it's just, you just have to do it. Um, there's a great book I love. It's called The Answer to How is Yes. Um, and so you go through and so often you try to figure out how to do something. And if you try to list all the reasons, all the ways in which you're going to do it, you'll eventually come up with a million reasons why not to do it. <laughs> you'll, it takes too long. It costs too much, whatever the case may be. Instead of just saying, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try this today. I'm going to do X, Y, Z today. So it's different for every individual, whatever that looks like. Um, being willing just to say yes uh, when yeah. the, an opportunity or, or something kind of gets put in front of you. And if you're praying about it, those things, I guarantee, will be put in front of your face. Oh, so true. <laughs> it's so true. That's that's awesome. Good answers. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Phil, anyway. yeah, you're yeah, welcome. Right. You're we, welcome. We do this for a living. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so I'm going to share just a few areas that we're feeling, uh, populations, I guess you would call it, that we're kind of feeling like God's pushing us toward and we're trying to figure out what does that look like. And so um, we brought some of them up already, homeless, impoverished people. Another one is the unborn and unseen. Unseen is like foster kids or special uh, people with special needs. Uh, children and teenagers, that's a huge thing of uh, what we're already doing, what we're trying to do in some of the neighborhoods that we're, we're doing kids club in. Uh, Children and teens, first responders, police mm. especially, what we're feeling like God's kind of put on our heart is uh, that they're probably not getting the support that they deserve. So mm. we're trying to figure out how do we as a church be supportive. And then just the forgotten elderly, and uh, that kind of goes with some of the unseen things too. So um, those five populations uh, what are your thoughts on those and do any stick out to you that the church should like focus in on or are we missing something? Just curious of your opinion about those. All of them, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, fantastic list and, and kind of summarizes. It's a little overwhelming. But, yeah, it is. A that, that's a, a great way to put it when you look at it that way. And, and um, you know, how, how do you take care of those folks and, and what do each one of them need and, and so on and so forth? Because uh, the needs are, are very different from the unborn and the unseen versus the uh, kind of first responders right. side of the equation. And um, I, I don't know the right answers necessarily, but I think we're focusing in on some of the right things. You're identifying these. Um, and in particular, maybe you asked, is there any missing or whatnot? And I think of um, teenagers that find themselves that are that are in the fringes mm. um that uh it, we see teen violence kind of plaguing our communities um it, it, there was i think last year there were like three 17 year olds that were murdered in the course of, of the first six months of the year or something like that and so uh how are we relating to these teenagers and, yeah. and meeting them where they're at and, and you know surrounding them and you know letting them know that there's another way um and, and perhaps uh, some of that is is you know taking care of our first responders and and uh, people that are on the front lines, the teachers, um, yeah. the people that are working in our community centers uh, that are working with our youth day in and day out, the, the kids club and all those things. That I think that's critical, and that's where I think uh, we can make some generational changes if we're 
meeting those teenagers, maybe even before they're teenagers, actually yeah. <laughs> changing their lives there. So the, the youth is where my kind of heart lies. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree as far as, you know, that list, um, they all need energy, um, every one of them. Uh, but as far as through the parks lens, what we try to focus on um, is we try to focus on the families, uh, which would include single moms or, you know, uh, an established family, teens, children, seniors, um, just trying to find ways to engage um, with them through programming and events. Um, I think that also when you think about uh, the special needs, ADA accessibility mm. is, is huge when yeah. you come to, to parks. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to make sure you create an environment that no matter what their disability is, they are welcome. Um, you know, and so that goes along with playground equipment, but also goes along with pathways and being able to uh, allow any kid or any adult or senior the chance to have fun and being able to be involved uh, in our park system. And um, that is challenging as we have older park systems and trying to navigate on how do you to uh, to bring the ADA accessibility with playground equipment, but also thinking outside the box um, there. You know, that unfortunately, a lot of that stuff is, is very expensive when you think right. about ADA accessibility, but it also is a need and it has to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and so also to the point of the teens, um, I, that, that topic always gets brought up um, when, you're, when we're uh, discussing the youth is what are you going to do for the teens? And, and so we're trying to focus, and I think I stated earlier, trying to focus on engaging more with them. For example, this Friday night, we have a teen video game night, a teen takeover night at the, the Battelle Center, and, mm -hmm. and trying a lot of different variety of stuff to see what sticks um, because we, we see that there is a need for that age group. You know, the the 10 and under, we got that covered. We have tons of programs for all of that. And then most of the time our events are geared towards the families that have the, the younger kids, but the teen population, trying to meet them where they're at and get them involved. Um, for example, we started a gardening club with Mishroka High School um, that went from four kids uh, three years ago. Now it has um, over 20 kids in well, it. that's great. And they're that's teens. That's a good idea. And what, the, what these teens have done is uh, they outgrew the building that they were in or the room that they were in. They challenged us as the parks department, hey, we want to build a greenhouse. And so the teens were the driving force of this. They went out and found the funding. We got a matching grant for it. They not only did the fundraising, but they built it themselves. And now they're That's programming cool. it. And it's changing the culture. And it's showing you that, hey, if you just get them involved and let their ideas flow, Look what they can do. They raised $50,000, teenagers, hmm. and went and cool. spoke in front of people. So, I mean, I think it's just giving them the opportunity and getting teens involved, uh, but also to Aaron's point, getting them when they're young, getting that's, – and that's another thing why we start at a young age with our sports is trying to build that structure and, and create that environment that they feel that they're, they're wanted and needed and there's stuff for them to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And ownership, as oh, yeah. when you're talking, that's like they, yeah. you know, that's their greenhouse. They're not going to let anything happen to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a different kind of a question for both of you. Uh, we're in this series, the 167 series. Both of you are wearing your uh, blue bracelets. That's right. It is, yeah. And, which is awesome. And so the 167 hours that we're not in church. And so both of you guys are in the marketplace. And, you know, it's uh, I feel like 
So for me, you know, I'm at the church how many hours a week? It's I, I feel like that's maybe a little bit easier because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's part of my job. But for you guys, you're in the marketplace and your 167 hours are you're, I'm As I'm listening to you both talk, you have influence. Hmm. You have influence in what's happening in Mishawaka and what's happening in South Bend. Like a like big deal influence. And so what do you do with I that? I think the mayor was just calling Phil a minute ago. Yeah. So he's got a lot of influence. What do you do as yeah. as you know, 167 <clears throat> hours you want to yeah. you want to be living for Jesus, not just in the one hour you're at church. So in the places that you're at, how do you how do you do that in your marketplace, the place that you are? It, it, you know, it's humbling when I first kind of got exposed to this concept in the past couple of weeks. 167, okay. Then you start to add up, okay, so I'm at work. I'm, I'm working usually 60 hours a week. So now we're down to 107, right? I sleep probably 50 hours a week, right? <laughs> so now we're, I'm, you know, you do that more or less transition time, shower and all that. I'm down to like 50, 40, 50 hours left. Okay, so how do I spend that? All right, I'm working out, I'm, you know, eating. There's some of those. But there's still, it's it's almost humbling. There's still time. There's still like probably 20 hours left once I figure all that out. And what, what am I doing with that time, you know? And yeah. Is it Netflix or social media? I, you know, it's humbling to think, how am I using that time to advance the kingdom? And, and sometimes you go, boy, am, am I? <laughs> and so I'm glad we're in this series. It's It's been neat to kind of unpack it and um, have the, the bookmark and the bracelet and the things that you can do to kind of practice the presence during your day in and day out. Um, but for me, I think... Uh, I work, we work a lot, every, you know, it's part of work becomes a lifestyle in these jobs, I think. Um, but, uh, modeling Christ through the way we lead our teams and, uh, yeah. um, interact with the people around us. I think that's, that's one of the ways that I try to, you know, practice the presence day in and day out. So, you know, when I think about the answer to that, I think about the foundation of why I got into what I got into, you know, the first reason I got into this job was, yes, to make the parks better, but also to show God's love to the youth and to the community. And and I think that um, keeping that as the foundation of why you do what you do, um, you know, practice what you preach, yeah. um, being able to use my energy and, and my enthusiasm uh, to my advantage. Um, you know, I don't think that uh, you know, I don't have to go out and preach the Bible in order to show God's love. Mm-hmm. I think that people can look and say, hey, I know he goes to church and he acts that way and he has this enthusiasm. He's just an average person, but <clears throat> there's something maybe different that he's able to get on our level and, and, and have fun with us and, and use his, you know, I try to use my enthusiasm. Yeah. And, you know, our, our number one rule at the parks is the kids come smiling and leave smiling. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're not having fun, then we're, we're missing the point. Yeah, fun is like, you, I think Jesus was a pretty fun guy to be around, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. we, we think about all the things we get to do. Fun is, is really critical. Um, but it, there's tons of leadership lessons that, that come from the Bible as well. And so we get a chance to do that day in and day out. We have pretty big teams that we work with, and, and that's kind of a fun thing to be able to do. Yeah. And, the, and it just opens the door to conversation when you're yeah. nice to someone and you're enthusiastic and you have conversation. It opens the door to all kinds of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you get called Dr. Phil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Preach exactly. on. Preach on, Doc. So we're going to wrap up in a second. I'm gonna, I have one more question for you. Um, but is there anything else that we've missed that you want to talk about that you just desperately need to share with Team Vineyard? Desperately need to share. Oh, man. We got the we had an open mic here. Phil. I don't know. Um, keep up the great worship music. 
I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's what you know. <laughs> mm. I don't it's know. okay if you don't. That's, that's it's okay question. if you don't. Well, let me let me ask you this. So, as a, you're in positions of influence, and so Team Vineyard folks are listening to this, and lots of Team Vineyard folks are people who pray. How can we best pray for you um, individually for the city? Like, what's a what's a good target for us? Just how do we do that? Because we want to we want to um, pray with wisdom. Yeah. Well, I think. And when you think about praying and, and, and for us and, and the, the direction that we have as park superintendent and executive director is just praying for guidance for us to make the right mm. decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, there are decisions that have to be made. Sometimes aren't the best, you know, we get stuck and you have to say yay or nay to, you can't say yay to everything. And so right. giving us uh, that guidance and praying for us to have that, um, you know, to try to make the right decision uh, yeah. each time. Um, would, would would definitely help because there are stressful situations where, hey, you just got to, maybe it's not the most popular decision, but you have to go with your heart and your yeah. gut and what God tells you to do. Um, and then, you know, as far as the, the city, just a vulnerable population, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's kids out there that, that need help, they need guidance, there's families, <clears throat> there's moms, there's teens, um, just can, continue to pray for those that we come across um, in our city uh, that could use just some extra love and some pat on the back or, or even a high five. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you just never know uh, who you can come across and, and how you can change their life. That's great. That's yeah. uh, uh, probably one of the most challenging parts about this job is that you have limited resources. Uh, you can't do everything always. And, and it's a kind of that alluding to what you were saying, the wisdom to be able to pick the things that will have the greatest impact and, and the most positive impact in our communities. Um, and, uh, that, that's tough. That's it, decisions that are, um, easy to make get made before they get to our desks. <laughs> yeah. It's always the challenging one. So it's certainly, um, appreciate prayers around that kind of wisdom. Um, and it's humble to say that we don't always have all the right answers. And so, yeah. um, that I would have, uh, kind of the, the, the patience and the tenacity to, um, lead my staff in a way that, uh, it's similar to what I was talking about earlier. Um, it's not always easy. <laughs> and so that's humility to even say that. Um, and then for our communities, the most vulnerable populations, uh, the people that have uh, mental health issues, the people that have um, uh, issues with access to uh, certain resources, whether it be educational resources, uh, recreational resources, um, you know, it, it just seems like we have enough to go around in our community. Um, but it's not getting to all the right places yeah. uh, at the right time uh, in the right way. So um, I know education is going to be a big focus here, particularly in South Bend coming forward. And so um, that's another thing I would ask for for prayers around as well. So. Awesome. Okay, Team Vineyard, you have your assignments, your prayer assignments to pray for uh, Phil, Aaron, and our cities. And uh, we know, believe that prayer is powerful and that that we, I'm not even asking this question lightly. Like I'm hoping that people will write these things down, put it on their prayer list, and and that God will God has put you. I believe in the positions that you're in. I I'm thrilled that you love Jesus and that you are in the places that you are. So thanks so much. 